Well, good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of He Said, He Said, He Said, a look at the world from a seasoned black man's perspective. I'm your host, Alvin King, and welcome to this June 23rd episode of our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I don't know where you are in the world, but where I am, summer was last week and today is fall. I mean, it is so cool here in Washington, D.C., and it's rainy, but you know what? You guys are here and I can feel the sun. Um, before I get on with the show, I want to thank everybody. Last Friday was my birthday. And I am so, I mean, I am so blessed. You guys have like showered me with like hundreds of well wishes. Um, thank you for all the gifts. Thank you for all the hello. Some of you have seen me on the street and have stopped me mainly because I probably have been broadcasting it um, all month, but you've been doing it. And I just want you to know how blessed I am that you all uh, have stopped to recognize me on my road to 65, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Uh, but life is good. Hey, Monica, thank you for, for joining us tonight. Uh, well, as we all know, it is June and it is Gay Pride Month, as we have been saying, you know, all month. It is, uh, this month is uh, Gay Pride, and on June the 25th in New York City, for me, I think New York City is like the mecca of Gay Pride in terms of, you know, all the festivities that goes on around the world, and I won't be able to be there, but um, it is Gay Pride, so we are definitely uh, in our celebratory uh, state right now, and our show tonight, as you know, for the month of June, we are celebrating uh, Black music month, uh, all, all month. And we have been fortunate to have uh, celebrity um, artists, some celebrity artists or artists that you may not have known from different genres and backgrounds on the show uh, the past two weeks. And tonight is no exception. We have a gentleman by the name of Salim Waters. He is here tonight. He's an instrumentalist. I, I've known this brother for years. And when I tell you he is phenomenal, and he is here tonight. He's going to speak with us about that instrument or that instrument or the other three instruments that he plays, you know, ladies and gentlemen. But he is absolutely incredible. Um, I also, you know, while we're talking about music, I, I wanted to share with everybody, in case you didn't know, that the uh, Kennedy Center honors were, were announced today and um, for 2023. And the folks that will be um, honored this year, ladies and gentlemen, um, they're going to honor a comedian and actor, Billy Crystal. Um, they're going to honor soprano uh, Renee Fleming, singer, songwriter, and BG's band member, Barry Gibbs, will be honored. Actress, singer, and rapper, Queen Latifah, and singer, Dion Warwick, will be honored, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, I hope that that is a great lineup, first of all. That is absolutely amazing. Hey, Antoine, thanks for being here. Um, hey, hey, uh, Ramaz, thank you for being here. It is a wonderful lineup, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And I want to say, as I look back to last year, Gladys Knight was one of the honorees that was honored last year. And it wasn't good, ladies and gentlemen, because this woman here, I got a chance to see her last night at MGM uh, right here in Washington, D.C., she is 79 years old. She is absolutely incredible. I'm saying legend, song after song after song after song. She kept coming through. And I mean, the show was just 
immaculate. She has earned the title of Empress of Soul. And I mean, she did not disappoint. And, you know, to be 79 years old, she had on three inch pumps. Okay, you know, I'm that gay dude. She had on three inch pumps. She didn't have on wedgies. And she was just moving across that stage, ladies and gentlemen, giving us one hell of a performance. Okay, I wasn't here to, you know, do a piece on Gladys Knight, but I got to tell you all, if you get a chance to see Gladys Knight, please go and see her. Absolutely incredible. All right. So we are ready to get on with the show because, like I said, we have an action-packed show tonight. And, you know, I can't do nothing without the fellas. So let's get on with the chat. Hey, hey, y'all. Let, hey. let, let me center What's myself. Up? Can I go? This is better. Okay, I don't, I don't know what center it is. yourself. Let me center myself. <laughs> <laughs> How y'all doing? <laughs> hey, what's up? What's up? Happy Friday, TGIF. Happy Friday. Are we giving like the Nick Collins today? What's we're going on? I guess little, so. Little, 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 little Nick Collins thing going on. All right, we can do that. Look, no, 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 so we could be the pips. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It feels like <laughs> only you could come out with that. Okay? But you know, I, I I was not there at the show with you, Alvin. But I did see your social media post that included a video clip, and she sounded wonderful. It's yeah. extraordinary. Like I, as I said to you, she's one of the most distinguishable voices in music. You know Gladys Knight when you hear her. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I I did mention that her tribute last year at the Kennedy Center. Yeah. It just wasn't good. But but I have to say to the producers, that is she is a hard act to find somebody to sing her songs. Mm. So their job was cut out for them. I haven't found anybody who sings Gladys Knight songs to her justice. Mm. No one. And I mean, again, it was an absolutely amazing concert. And she wasn't as fluid as she normally is, you know what I'm saying? Because she's getting older. But like I said, she had on three-inch pumps. She looked good, and she saltered salt, salt, from side to side. It, it, it was absolutely amazing. It, it was hey, good. Sean. Thank you. Hey, Sean. It was really good, yeah. And I'm going to post one more clip that I've been holding on to after the show okay. of, of Gladys Knight because it's long, and I'm that dude who was like this all night. <laughs> <laughs> that was you. That but was you me. did it here in front of your face, not up above blocking other people's views. Oh, oh, no. My bestie right. got us some good seats. I was literally like this. Okay. Oh, oh, all really, right. Really, really okay. But I, I do have a performance that I'm going to share uh, with Excellent. you guys on my social media. So you guys look out. I all sure right. can't <laughs> wait. Excellent. 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 Oh. We all just celebrated Juneteenth. And, you know, there are still people who are freeing themselves. Uh, Akilah Davis, who is a race and culture reporter, for WTVD in North Carolina said that growing up, her hair texture was really misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And her mother would you know, do all kinds of things that we know our mothers would do to our hair. Mm -hmm. She would straighten it and do all kinds of things to make it more manageable and to help her fit in. And she really internalized that straight hair was good and natural hair was not. And mm. you know, getting into marketing and into entertainment and, and things, she really felt like she had to blend in. Um, she actually had gotten micro dreads, I think a year and a half or two years ago, but she kept wearing a wig on air because she thought that it made her look more professional. Well, this mm -hmm. Juneteenth, she said no more. No more. No more free at last. She took that wig off 
and started her natural hair journey. And she understood that it took courage and strength, but she hopes to be an inspiration to young women and little girls all over the world to embrace their hair freedom. So, and she looks beautiful. She, she, she is looks beautiful. Gorgeous. Exactly. She's gorgeous. But isn't it, doesn't it say something that, you know, it takes someone to like have to free themselves because how society or yeah. how, yeah, society says that you need to look a certain way to, to fit Absolutely. in. You can Absolutely. like, you know, to not be yourself. So good for her. Good for her. That's right. a feel good story, Vaj. Feel Thank good. You. Right on. Uh, unfortunately, mine is not quite as feel good that uh -oh. I'm going to follow up uh -oh. with because uh -oh. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. as Vaj was speaking about freedom, the freedom of a 27-year-old in New York City um, is called into question right now because this gentleman, I don't know if you happen to see the recording artist B.B. Rexa, 33-year-old B.B. Rexa, was performing in New York City, and all of a sudden, she had a phone hurled at her at the conclusion of her concert. A wow. phone was hurled at her. And it was done by this 27-year-old guy, uh, Malvagna is his last name, Nicholas Malvagna, who, according to his statement, he says, I was trying to see if I could hit her with the phone at the end of the show because it would be funny. Well, wow. I struggled to see anything that would be funny. Look at the damage that he did to her by hurling his phone uh, at her. And this is becoming a bit more of a common occurrence at concerts where people are throwing things mm -hmm. uh, at performers. But as I said, he's been arrested and charged with assault. And I certainly hope that there will be some serious consequence uh, to pay for, for such unexplainable, immature, and inappropriate uh, behavior. Like, what, 27? He should be banned from concert. Like, he, yeah, I'm, I, I have issues, as you might imagine. Well, I'm just like taken completely aback that someone felt like you could throw something that wasn't a rose first, that, right? first mm -hmm. something that had girth to it, that yes. had weight to it, yes. and you're going to throw it and think that it wouldn't hurt them? Why would you even throw a phone? And why is that? What makes that funny? Why would you throw anything? Well, aside from your panties or rose, oh. why would you throw anything else? Oh. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, oh wait, that's another show. And yes, you are. Well, let me just say this: I'm not going to speak for the one in the green. <laughs> I, I have never thrown undergarments at anybody. <laughs> just have to take an extra pair. You got it, like, it was like, don't act like I'm the only one. Uh, you may very well be. Come on, live a little, Bobby. Come on, come on. You, somebody out there wants a piece. I'm of keeping okay. my Calvin's. Thank you very much. <laughs> No, that that is absolutely r ridiculous, and I hope she recovers well. But that that's some bull crap. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Well, it's you know, yeah. You talked about you did say you hope that he was banned. Well, my story is kind of a play off, a spinoff of yours. Because look, at, look at us word feeding look at one of them. <laughs> oh, what's going on? Um, in um in New Jersey, at a very popular spaghetti restaurant mm -hmm. called Net, what is it, Nettie's? Nettie's restaurant. Now I know that this is going to get some of y'all. This very popular house of spaghetti restaurant in New in New Jersey is making headlines because they have decided not children under ten will no longer be permitted to dine in their restaurant. And you know. 
it's causing a lot of people to talk. And I'm ready to talk to those people based on whatever they have to say. But for me, I'm all for it if that's what it takes for you to run an establishment that will allow your guests to have the experience that you want them to have and not some children running around because their parents don't know how to manage them. Yes. That's really what that's about. Hey, Leslie. <laughs> hey, Leslie. It's you. Okay. You, you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, now back to the spaghetti issue. <laughs> yeah. Leslie, that's what it is. I mean, you're only abandoning somebody if your experience with them over and over and over again is so negative that that's your only recourse. Right. Yeah. So I would go to that restaurant just because I would know that there would be no children in there disrupting my meal. Right. You, well, you guys know I'm an educator. I love kids. I've I spend a lot of time around kids. I am not mad with this restaurant. I think it is appropriate to be able to say that there is a guaranteed expectation of an experience, an adult atmosphere. Um, you know, there's so many family friendly eating establishments mm -hmm. that you know mm -hmm. folks can go to. So they're not saying that you know that. Uh, you know, only certain types of kids would be. They're just saying if you're under this age, right? We reserve the right to just make this a, a more of an uh, adult uh, eating establishment, and I'm I'm with it. Well, you know, and some of the uh, you know some of the stories that I've been hearing, and some of the people who have taken the Twitter who have kids, of course, are making a you know an issue out of it and not taking responsibility behind the fact that you are not managing your kids. Right. You, you are not managing your kids. And this new style of parenting and, well, this new, <laughs> style of, this, this new style of parenting, you know, is just ridiculous. You know what I mean? And if you have to take your child to a restaurant and let them run wild, heaven forbid what they're doing at home. I will say it's the new where, where you were making reference to the new style parenting because we're all of the uh, of a comparable age. We're not all the same age, but we're of a comparable age. And all I can say is God rest Howard and Mary Edwards, but they had it down to a look. The Edwards children yeah. were not up and running around at no restaurant. You came in, you sat down, and and if you were even remotely about to get out, there was a look that you were like, okay, I guess I better reel that back in. So, right. well, we were taught at home. Absolutely. My mother did not play at home. At home, exactly. On, so boss. we certainly weren't doing that. Out. Exactly. There, there were rules at home. Exactly. At home. Yeah. So you just knew what to do when you went out to a restaurant. Absolutely. And and one last thing, I I do want to shed light on this. I, we had a uh, Alma ask Alma, another um, uh, host of a show that's on NNPA. Alma was on our show one time, and we were talking about children, and she said the one thing that parents need to understand is that. You find your kids cute. <laughs> you find them cute. Other people don't find them cute. In the and least you, bit. In the least bit. So you need to understand that. So, okay, I, when I get to New Jersey, I'm, I'm coming to see you, Nettie. <laughs> Let's plan a trip. Let's make sure Nettie's. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go to Nettie. So, yeah, I, I, I think we've been on too many planes where we've been getting kicked in the back by kids. Like, a leg, the bump, the bump, the bump, the bump. You're like. Is somebody going to say something to this child or am I going to have to turn around and go like, just call Nettie. 
<laughs> he turned around and go like, "That's why your butt can't have no spaghetti and netty. You don't know how to act. Exactly. So you don't know how to act. That's why I love this show, ladies and gentlemen. I, I really do love this show. What did Rodney say? Rodney Bryan said he is here for that. He's here for it. <laughs> Good evening to you too, my man. And Leslie said. Period with a DT. That's right. That's, that's look. my line. Period. The look. Period. Exactly. Okay. We all know that look. Yes. Well, yes. bring back know, the look. We, again, ladies and gentlemen, we have an action-packed show for you tonight. We are so happy to bring another artist to you in honor of Black Music Month. And, you know, this particular artist, ladies and gentlemen, we decided rather than, you know, introduce him the normal way that we do things, we thought we'd let the music speak for itself. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the He Said stage tonight our featured guest, instrumentalist, Celine Waters. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Can we have a click, 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 click? Uh, <laughs> Celine Waters, how you doing, Aww. man? <laughs> You're welcome. Aww. welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> that was incredible. Thank you so much. In the waters. Yes, waters. Wade in the waters. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been knowing this guy for a long time, and um, Many of you who are probably on here tonight have had him play for different things or your weddings, your events. Some of you have seen him at, at other other events, but we are so happy that you are joining us tonight, Celine. Thank you for bringing the, the music to us tonight. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kick off the first show and just ask you, uh, what made you pick Wade in the Waters 
<laughs> as, 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 your, as your opening song for us tonight. Well, uh, first of all, I grew up on, uh, thanks for having me. I grew up in a place called Nanjimoy, Maryland, which is uh, on the Potomac River. And we lived on the water. My dad had boats. My uncles were fishermen. And mm -hmm. I spent my days on the water. Or I did not live near a forest. I was in the woods, playing in the woods. And there were streams that led to the Potomac River. And my mother used to make me go to church, and I didn't like it at all because I wanted to be at home looking at the basketball or hanging with my dad. Heathen. One day I went to church, waiting <laughs> in the water, and I said, "Whoa!" I thought they made a song for me, so I thought it was my song. So <laughs> now, is your last name Waters? Also, your last name is Waters, yeah. right? Okay. Okay. See, I'm. I'm. Look, I've been knowing him for years, and I, you know, I just write checks. And you know, I'm saying, and I, you know, I, I, I didn't know. So thank you. I, that's some information I just learned. You didn't know my last name was Waters. Well, like I said, there are stage names because you know, I some I write checks for models, and sometimes their name is, you know, Spin City, and I, you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? As what kind of models as, are we talking about? <laughs> as, 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 as long as long as they can cash it. Oh, some of them only got oh, some of them only got one name. Spin. You know, Naomi. <laughs> Naomi. Don't even don't, don't even need a last name. Somebody wrote me a check, and I got to Industrial Bank and give it the cash, and they wave, they wrote on the check my name weighed in the water. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. okay. I'm assuming you weren't able to cash that check. Oh no, the people at Industrial Bank knew me. They said, please, you know, next time check. So they knew. <laughs> That's what, with a black bank, you know, you have. To. Oh, that's funny. I, I know the family that runs that bank well, yeah. yes. They're, they're, they're Howard based too, you know. <laughs> you know. H U. Yes, sir. You can cast a check made out to like Junebug of the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bosh. Y'all better go on with this question. <laughs> I see a shift. A shift. A total shift. <laughs> So, so Celine, where where does your musical talent come from? Um, when I was in the elementary school, uh, you know, when you go elementary, you get one you get one teacher. And when I got to the third grade, I walked into the classroom the first day of school, and I said, "Oh my God, who's going to be this year?" And I walk into the room, and the woman who was my teacher looked like Donna Ross, and <laughs> and I said, "Okay, you know, so." <laughs> I, I never had a, that kind of feeling before towards a female, you know, at third grade. And so I really wanted to be her friend. So we would talk, I was always telling me music because my uncles, all of them played music, come out, play the guitar and that kind of thing. And I always liked um, um, orchestra music. I was always into that, but the cartoons, they had a lot of orchestra stuff. So she says, you know, I like music too. She says, I'm going to call your mom. Uh, well, we didn't have a telephone, so she <laughs> sent my mother a note. I said, uh, I'm going to take your son and a couple of the girls to D.C. To, to, to this matinee performance. Do you want to go? And I said, OK. The first of all, I never heard the word matinee before and didn't know what it was. I didn't care, you know? <laughs> so we, we, I just wanted to be with And her name was Mrs. Horn, Miss Horn. Her last name was Horn. And I had the biggest crush on her. So we got in the car, came to D.C., and we were at the National Symphony Orchestra. And she had tickets near the orchestra pit. Uh, and uh, near the clarinet section. So I came home, got the World Book and Encyclopedia, and told my mom, I want to learn how to play this instrument because my goal was to impress Miss Horn. And that's how I got into it. Okay. Wow. So there's no one in your family that's musical? 
Yeah, my, I had uncles. They would come by, like uh, Uncle Walter would come by and play the guitar. His wife was singing. His son, uh, Tiki, would play the harmonica. So they would come by on, on weekends. And back then, you know, we didn't, you know, we had black and white TV. And we didn't have, you know, I mean, you know, look at Lawrence Brock, you know, Ed Sullivan, you know, but that was our entertainment, you know. And, you know, they were just funny people. They would just come by and entertain us. So, yeah, I was always influenced by them. But uh, I, always wanted to, I always wanted to play in the symphony. That was my goal. Interesting, because I was going to ask you, did you always think or know that you were going to be a musician? It sounds like it's something that started at an early age. Tell us a little bit about your training. Uh, well, um, again, I started in the third grade. And uh, by the time uh, I got to uh, start the clarinet in third grade, and by the time I got to, uh, and the high school back then was, it was uh, segregated. So I went to Pamunkey. Uh, I, I grew up in Nantimore, which is a Native American town. I went to Pamunkey High and Junior and Senior High School, which is another Native American town. And um, so we went through the 7th to the 12th grade. So I got there with my little clarinet, and our band teacher's name was Mr. Watts. Mr. Watts was the ultimate musician. He could play every instrument in the band. So you're sitting there playing your horn. He says, what are you playing? He took your horn and play it. <laughs> the right back, whether it's a clarinet, a trombone, drums, he played everything. And I said, oh, I'm going to be that guy. You know, so every three years, I taught myself a new instrument. So... Wow. The 20 instruments. I don't play all of them now, but I played, you know, from the clarinet to the saxophone to the trumpet to even my last year in high school, I played the tuba because the tuba said, tuba player got sick. So I learned how to play the tuba in like a month. So would you say most of those instruments were self-taught is, is what you're saying? Yes. Wow. Wow. Like the rest of them I taught myself. Yes. I told myself guitar, so I'm, I'm doing guitar now. Wow, well, I'm glad. Look, certain words bring up triggers for me, and I'm so glad you clarified for monkey because I was like, I, all I heard was monkey. And I said, You said monkey is a city or a, a, a town, right? Yeah, okay. I'm so look again, certain triggers make me sit up in the chair. You said you you clarified that for me. Thank you, Selena. But so, further, so the Pamunkey Indians they still have a tribe down in Virginia, they spell the name P O M U N K E Y. The white folks changed it around for P.O. Po monkeys. So when we would go and play them or run track against them, they'd call us the Pomonkey monkeys. And we said, fine, and then let's, let's deal, you know, so. <laughs> see, I said, see, I, that's why I had, to, I had to stay there for a minute because yeah. I knew there's a story. Okay, yeah, well, so right. it, I, there had to be a story around yeah. Pomonkey. Okay, yeah. look, I, I, I'm not crazy. Okay, so yeah. I thought, let, let me you know, probe a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, Salim, how would you define or categorize your type of, the type of music that you play? Everything. Oh. Everything. I'm, everything. Listen, I would listen to um, the Carpenters, and my friends were like, we, we, I was with Sly, I really taught myself how to play the horn listening to Sly and the Family Stone, because I got taught of reading books, like, so, you know, they give you these books you have to learn, you know, the lovers of many, I was playing lovers of many splendid thing, and you know, Mozart and all that kind of stuff. And that stuff was very boring to me. So I would listen to Sly and, you know, and my transistor radio and learn all the Sly stuff. That's how I got into improvising. So, you know, that's, that, that's it. So it's, the thing is with music, you're only dealing with the letters A to G and what you do with that, you know, and then it's mathematical. When I first started playing, the band instructor said, put your horn down and learn how to pat your foot. It's all about numbers. So zero to nine, A to G, that's music. Wow. Wow. Well, and you know, I'm glad you kind of said that because pardon my ignorance here, but when I think of jazz or 
music that doesn't have lyrics right you know to it i until this conversation i never thought about it being r&b you know uh what do you call it what, what do they call it? uh there's r&b there's soul there's you know pop i never really put music without lyrics into a category i just either call it jazz or jazz yeah. so you just you just kind of had you have me now thinking a little differently about that, and I might have to do some homework. Thank well, you. It's a conversation. So if you're doing, if you're in an orchestra, and depends on what instrument you're playing, you look at the, the sheet, and it might have a, a uh, all the notes there, and you might have a 12 bar rest. It might be four beats of each bar, and you play your part. And then the next thing, it might you have a rest of eight 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 bars. You don't do anything, and you know then you. So it's a conversation. So jazz is you know you you improvising. Most time you get that you don't you you have a theme you have the, the thing is like it's just like a conversation you know if you're going to write a paragraph you have you know, punctuation marks and all that kind of thing you have a beginning a middle and an end you know so music is the same way so you have the theme and you allude to it on the bar I mean on the hook and then you end with the theme but in between that you're just vibing off each other so you have to listen so just like you guys having a conversation you basically having a jazz conversation. Hmm. Very wow. interesting. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> now, so I've seen pictures of you playing right. um, at various events. Your instruments all look very different from the versions that I've seen before. Right. What are the names? Of some, like, there's a xylophone looking thing. This thing looks like a clarinetish kind of thing. What are the names of your instruments, and where do they come from? Oh, it's called a mallet cat. Uh, Roy Ayers turned me on to that instrument. So instead of dragging that big xylophone and around. Uh, <laughs> This thing is like weighs 12 pounds and you it's just like this instrument. This instrument could be anything. It could be a, a violin, it could be a trumpet, it could be anything. And I made a, uh, I was in, I'm, a, I'm into mermaids. So I even made a mermaid voice that I, uh, oh, wow. so then the, this is a Japanese instrument. And basically what it is, uh, I've been playing this instrument for like 30 years. And basically it's an I, um, AI, um, sound, which is, is mm -hmm. uh, the Japanese call it acoustic modeling synthesis, where basically it's not a sample. You can go in and program uh, each note to your specification. So it has a nuance at every instrument. So since I played all those instruments in my lifetime, I can play all of those with this instrument. And same thing with the mallet cat, the vibe thing. It could be, uh, steel, if I'm doing Caribbean music, I can play steel pans on it. So that's why I play those instruments. And not only that, when I was a kid growing up, I had red hair and freckles and Kids used to tease me, call me Woody Red Pecker and all that kind of stuff. Oh wow! And, and my dad said, "Listen, there's only one of you in the whole world. You know, did you did you know that you could do anything?" I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah." So I was about eight years old. He told me that, and I was in the Superman. I got a sheet and tied around my neck and like a cape and jumped off the top of the house. You know? Oh wow! <laughs> oh, a, a daredevil. I just I don't instrumentalist. Okay, like everybody else. That's it. Yeah, you were not the kid to go to the spaghetti restaurant. Clearly, <laughs> no, no, no. 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 He yeah. is the reason Nettie's is doing exactly what they're doing. I just want to know, exactly. They kicked me out of the Boy Scouts for not being orders, you know. And there you have it. Oh, okay. And there you have it. And lo long, long live Nettie. Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you mentioned this AI. Yeah. What do you think? is the future of music now that AI is getting involved? 
uh, I just flow with what's happening. You know, I'm a kid, you know, so, you know, you just make it work for you. So my thing is, I'm always going to be different. I'm not going to, I don't follow any, you know, I don't belong to anything. I don't belong to any organization. Whatever they present with to me, I will make it work. And that's it. So you don't fear that it might take over live musicians? Uh, people are already criticizing me for taking up, because I, I do a one-man show. They say, oh, man, you're taking uh, money out of the other musicians' pocket. I say, why don't you just do what I do then, you know? So, you know. Wow. I had to, I, listen, the reason that I started doing this is because 35 years ago, all my friends said, it ain't going to work. I said, really? Okay. Tell me I can't do something and it's on. So, oh, hey, wow. I don't care. So one of the things I wanted to ask, and, and you've alluded to it to some degree, but just wondering if there's ever been a, a noted life experience that has kind of impacted you or informs you as an artist. Uh, when I, I was in the medical field 16 years, I did orthopedics and neurology, uh, biofeedback, uh, pain management, everything, and I got burned out. I actually I went to nursing school. I, I, when I was in high school, we had a band called the Continentals, and we were all in high school, like the jazz part. We would travel on weekends only. So one of the guys in the band wanted to be a radiologist, so I would help him uh, teach. We get I have the anatomy book, and I would help him study anatomy because I was I learned about the human body. So I went to nursing school to meet women. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so as a result, then I ended up working orthopedic sixteen years, and uh, and it, it evolved to surgery and all that kind of stuff. So in nineteen eighty eight, I got burned out, and I said, okay. I was just doing music part-time, DJing, that kind of thing. So I went uh -huh. to, and that changed my life. I haven't been the same since. And I've been playing music since. That's how I met Kim. I just got back from Rio. I went to the cafe of the truck and she's playing the piano and there was a tambourine on top of the piano. And I started playing it. She's oh, you in. <laughs> that was it. And the wow. Kim that he's referring to is Kim Jordan, a Kim classmate of mine from yeah. Howard University, also a mm -hmm. uh, musician who worked with Gil Scott Heron. Just, she's mm -hmm. just an extraordinarily talented musician as well yes person very 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 and that that's all that's a talented family i have to say because coming from the fashion arena her sister sandy absolutely used to used to, used to model for me she was one of the one of the young ladies that from Howard university of many that was just an extraordinary model so yeah, yeah. That, that jordan I, family was very popular very very popular very yes. talented family yep well let me say hi we we have yes. um uh, jj uh, too much. <laughs> You're too much for me. <laughs> this is JJ sending all of us a shout. JJ is actually the organizer of the Clubhouse Reunion who was uh, on the ah, show. And so yeah. he's sending us a shout. Hey, JJ. Hey, nice JJ. to see you, my brother. Um, thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, so uh, let me see. How can I say this? So I, I view you as an independent artist, uh, Celine. And so, you know, as an independent artist, I know that you guys have control over the direction of your music, that you also have full control over the distribution, marketing, artwork, messaging, yada, yada, yada. And as an independent artist, you have, you know, free will to make decisions about your creative vision. Right. As an independent artist, how do you find the music industry has accepted you? Um. I, uh, you know, I always, I, I'm always on a different path. I don't really follow the industry. I just, by me growing up in the, in the country, in the woods, on the water and being with nature, I, I wake up every morning, go outside and sip, burn some incense and get the vibe, you know, what I need to be doing at that particular day. And I've always 
way. So I don't really get into that. You know? So, you know, I'm one with the universe. So the universe tells me what to do every moment of my life. So that's how I operate. I know it sounds kind of like, you know, wishy-washy, but that's, that's who I am, you know. No, if Prince was here, he'd be dancing on our show right now. Because <laughs> Prince would be supporting you hands down. No, keep doing what you're doing. I just Amen. wanted to see what, what was your take on, you know, how the industry, you know, accepts or don't or not, don't accept, you know, independent artists such as yourself. I don't yeah. really, <laughs> mm-hmm. I really don't, you know, so, because okay. I can, you know, when people call me, like a lady called me recently to do a show, and I've done many events for her, big time events, and she said, okay, well, I got this event, you know, are you available? Yeah. So about two days before the event, I said, let me, I said, what is the theme? Because I always like to know, pretty much get an idea where I need to go because mm-hmm. I got about 400 songs I can play, you know, anywhere from Sting to Stevie Wonder to whatever, you know? And she said, oh, the show is going to be the great Gatsby. I said, really? Mm-hmm. So the first one or the second one, the first one, the ragtime music, I said, wow. <laughs> so yeah. I, I had to really pull myself together, you know, and say, okay, I might have to learn some stuff in two days. But also, I DJ, so I said, okay, I can play enough music to keep them going until after dinner. When they want to start dancing, I can download all that you know, great gasping music, and they, you know, they drunk and everything. They can just dance. She's okay, cool. You know, so I'm flexible. Wow. And I, that, and and that you are, you, you I, definitely are. Mm-hmm. I love how I said I'd have to learn something new in two days. I I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, but you know. but but you talk about that, you know, that notion of being able to create music that uh, fits a theme, if you will, that that uh, enhances. Um, the the direction of a of a project or so forth, and one of the things I was thinking about, and I wanted to ask you because I love good vocals. I love a good vocalist. I listen to someone like Lettucey, and I yeah. just you know yeah. I'm just in another place. So my question for you is: Is it harder to convey a message without lyrics? You're an instrumentalist. Like, do you find that it's uh, harder to be able to convey a message or set a mood, if you will, without lyrics? Um. I, I spend a lot of time on sound design. You know, my, my thing is not about me just playing a whole bunch of notes. It's about, I create atmosphere. That's my thing, you know? And when I got into this whole thing about sound design, I went up to Harvard University to meet this professor who that's what he did back in 35 years ago. That's all he focused on was sound and, you know, uh, um, uh, electronic energy and, you know, all this stuff, you know? and when I got up there, I didn't know you just couldn't walk in there and meet him. He had his own room, his own key, and you never knew when he was going to be there or his students. So, you know, they, you know, we got to his door, there was mail piled up. They didn't know where he was. So, he, so I said, okay, well, since I can't find this guy and I'm not going to come up here again because I'm not crazy about Boston in the first place. Mm. So I started books and I came up with my own idea of like programming synthesizers and making them organic, you know. I don't, I don't play anything that sounds like uh, karaoke. I, I make my sound. I, I try to make it as organic. I humanize electronics. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. So I know what I'm trying to accomplish. So, my, so, so I know people who know me for twenty some years, and they said, as soon as I walked in the room, I know it was you. I know that sound. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I do it. Although, I mean, the vocalists are just like ridiculous. I mean, I'm just blown away by them, and I, you know, I. I could, I, was, I could sing when I was younger, but when I got to 15, my voice got deeper and I wanted to be up here and I was down here and I never made the transition. So I said, hey, 
you know, can't do everything. But if I could sing, I would be a millionaire by now. But mm, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a question. So many artists cite a creative muse that inspires them. Right. Do you have an artist or a muse that inspires you? Um, it depends on what day it is, you know? I mean, okay. so Herbie Hancock, I love the way he structures his chord expressions. And, and of course, Stevie Wonder. You don't hear a lot of people doing Stevie's music because it is just, I met, I met Stevie Wonder. I had a band called Jazz Space back in the 70s. And my drummer left and went to LA and he became Stevie's road manager. So I was in LA and said, hey man, you wanna meet Stevie? I said, sure, you know? So it was, he did this video called Do I Do? And mm -hmm. club in the middle of downtown LA, 10 o'clock in the morning, we get there and Stevie's like, he walks in the door, we're in the dressing room and Stevie walks past me and he stops. He says, you can't speak? I said, wow. <laughs> so, oh. so then, so I didn't, <laughs> so they had these dancers in the room. So he was like playing the keyboards and he was like, he was a DJ. They had all these dancers in there. I was just saying like, I know that woman, I know that person. So as it turned out, it was like these soul trained dancers who were there as extras. And then they had a group of, I think six couples that were, had organized music dance around him. And Stevie came back and still, you know, said, look, cut, let's go back to the dressing room until you get yourself together. He came back in the dressing room. I said, excuse me, I'm here with, I'm a friend of Quills from DC. Um, you walked past me and I didn't say a word. How did you know I was sitting in that chair? <laughs> that plant right there? I said, thank you. you know? So that's my, you know, I feed the birds in the morning. I can throw one seed out there and all of a sudden birds come to everybody. I said, how the hell y'all know that? You know? <laughs> so we're supposed to be the supreme, we're the, the mass of all beasts. Hey, we ain't got nothing going on, you know? So my thing is I'm a part of nature and I, I that's my thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, it might sound a little esoteric. It might sound a little weird, but it might sound a little hippie. I don't know. <laughs> but, well, no, because Leslie has deemed you a musical magician. There you have it. Okay. Have it. Le Leslie has put it out there and I, Leslie, I concur. Okay. <laughs> I, he, 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 you really are. And as Bobby um, mentioned, you know, you played at an event that I produced this week. And I saw, if I could show you all a picture, which I don't have, a picture of the entire backyard. This was an outdoor party. Celine was in a, up on a deck. Not, and I'm just going to say, he was off to the side in a, in, a, in a space. He filled the entire, the entire yard with music and people walked in and they were immediately transformed into the party. Yeah. Wow. Because he just, he just, whatever instrument you were playing, it looked like six of them that were up there. I have no idea what was going on, <laughs> but, um, but he is, he is a, a, a magician and Leslie, thank you for that, Leslie. I, I hey, like that. I like that. <laughs> so Salim, you have performed in some of the most highly recognized venues in the world. Right. In addition to performing at the Emmys and the Grammys, uh, no, some of their events. Not the Grammys, Emmys and Oscars. Oh, the, I'm sorry, the Emmys and Oscars. Thank you, the Emmys and Oscars. And so if you had to pick a performance that, you know, you would consider one of your greatest performances, can you do that and tell us why? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I would say this, you, and this is going to be really weird. 
So I had to do a show at the Kennedy Center, and it was like kids um, for seniors and adults. And the and the school that I was working with, uh, the bus didn't pick the kids up; they picked up the the seniors. So when it was time for me to perform with the kids, they they weren't there. So there was a group of kids from Virginia who were all uh, I had Down syndrome, mm-hmm. and I said, okay. <laughs> And my way, my brain. I said, "Look, kids with Down syndrome are like they they locked in." So I mm-hmm. get pictures and everything, and I said, "This is a beat." And we did that performance. Everybody thought that they were with my group, you know. <laughs> so and it worked. It, it That's was incredible. So what? Well, well, I'm gl- I'm glad you didn't say it was a King and I production because that would have seemed so like <laughs> you was trying to you know suck up to me and stuff. But I'm I'm glad that you didn't say King and I because I I know where your heart is. But go ahead. I'm, I'm <laughs> King and I Kennedy Center. I can see how they could be. Uh, you, you know. know you know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I played at the, the Lincoln Jazz Center and I, uh, the the Emmy uh, and Oscar Awards. I played at this event called the Tree of Life Awards. Emmys and Oscars are on Sunday. The Tree of Life Awards is a part of that, but it's like they honor all the blacks in the business on Saturday night. So I play for every of uh, the, the writers, the producers, the camera people, you know, anywhere from Denzel to Holly Berry to Eric Badu. Eric Badu's son was about two years old when I met him doing the show after I played. He, his son, her son came and sat on my lap the whole time. She, so I got him, you know, so, you know, I played, I've met everybody. You know, I met, I, I met everybody. So it's, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, you, you can't pick one. You, you can't pick a greatest performance. You just can't. I, I can't because it's just, yeah, I can't. Because, you know, I can't. Okay. And, and that, I that, that's okay. No, we believe me. We are not going to cancel you from this show for that. We, <laughs> we, look, we understand because you know when you're good, you're good. So you're that, good. so you're good. You're good. Oh yeah, you're, King and I. Yeah. One of those shows that was great. I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, that's the answer. <laughs> you you mentioned meeting Erica Badu's son at the age of two, and I'm assuming that was her son named Seven. So I was sitting here going like. He met, he met seven at two. But anyway, uh, but Alvin mentioned at the beginning of the show that it is Black Music Month. And yeah. so I, I'm curious, what does Black Music Month mean to you? And do you have a take on what the state of Black music is today? Uh, there's some young folks who are doing some good things, but most of the time I, the radio, I can't listen to this stuff. And I'm and it's like, you know, I have young men come to me and say, okay, you know, uh, I want you to work with me and and I said, okay. And they said, well, you're too musical. You know, so they want a repetitive beat. You're too musical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they don't understand the, the beginning, the middle, and I, And some of this, you know, I was in an Uber one day, and this guy had, this young guy had some a, a song on. And it was like, I don't know, it was really raunchy, you know. So, and it was loud, you know. So I said, okay. I said, can I, let me, I said, I don't want to offend you, but, you know, what I just listened to was like really not good. I said, did your parents listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire and people like that? He said, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah because when I grew up, grew up in Motown, you, most of the songs were like three minutes and 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. You could meet a woman, break up with her, and get back with her in three minutes and 30 seconds. Stop That's it. Resolution. In that story, yes. There's a, there's a story. <laughs> yeah. So you That's fall in love, you get your heart broken, you got, it's a, there's a story, exactly. <laughs> the Delphonic, you know, I, you know, yeah. girlfriend and 
you know, we, we, we started on the phone at 10 o'clock. At about 2 o'clock in the morning, we broke up at 4 o'clock. We're back together again, you know? <laughs> so, so that's the state. So wait a minute. So I just want to make sure that I, that I heard this right. So <laughs> black music. Yeah. <laughs> so you are equating black music, to, or am I hearing you say to the state of black music to a relationship? Is that no. what it is? I'm saying that black music, you know, everything came out of Africa. So you see the banjo, that came out of Africa. You, if you go to Mali, if you go to the desert, they have this concert in the, in the, uh, in, in the, every year in the desert in uh, North Africa. And you go there and these guys from Mali are playing the blues on a three-string instrument. You know, and it, you know, it's just, when you look at that, when I do, when I do uh, instructions to kids, you know, I tell them like, you know, the piano, you know, they, they dug a hole in the ground and put some boards on top of it and made a sound, that kind of thing. So if you understand what your roots are, black music is music, you know, music is music. I don't really get into black or white music. I, I play with music okay. from India. I play with flamingo dancers, you know, I mean, I play with everybody and it's all good. I, I was okay. a Korean group and I played the Korean national anthem and they, they thought, they look, what, <laughs> what, you know? How did you know that? It is a very song. It's like, oh, I can't blame you. Anyway, gotcha. It's universal. Okay, I gotcha. I mean, so I, you know, I can, you know, I don't care. You know, I just, I'm not, I'm colorblind when it comes to that stuff. You know, because I know what my mission is, and I'm cool with it. You know, I'm cool with who I am and what I do. You know, so I don't get caught up in race, religion, none of that stuff because. It's a waste of my time. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I hope it is. Uh, you've mentioned so many different artists. Do you have an artist that you would really like to collaborate with? Um, actually, um, uh, Prince, if he was still alive. <laughs> um, I think that train has left the station, bro. <laughs> yeah. Herbie Hancock, probably. Uh, I just love what he does. He's just so incredibly talented you know i mean he's you you don't know how incredible his music is to, until you try to play it you know i did a show at blues alley with my band you know, and i played uh, maiden voyage which is one of my favorite tunes and i told everybody you cannot play maiden voyage and smoke crack because it ain't gonna <laughs> oh, oh, oh oh i support that psa okay, okay. okay. i really do just say okay. no just, just say no get out okay all right. All right. Well, Celine, yeah. usually an artist expresses themselves in various mediums, yeah. right? I mean, clearly you play a bunch of different instruments. Right. Is there, are there other mediums that your artistry manifests? Mm. Yes. Uh, I'm a digital artist also and an animator. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> really? Surprise, surprise. <laughs> mm -hmm. I wonder, I mean, do we have anything that we can show of this? Well, do you know what? Come, come to think of it, ladies and gentlemen, thank that. Boss, that was a great question and a good segue. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we, Salim, has gifted us tonight with a new song that he has actually combined imagery of his artwork with. So if you all will get on the carpet with us and take the Celine ride. We're going to play his latest song <laughs> along with uh, uh, images of his artwork. 
Let's see what he has. Excellent. Put your hands together for Celine Waters. Yes, yes. Thank you. This would have been an appropriate time to throw your panties onto us. Okay, oh, see, thank see, you. See. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I just lift a red cup? Uh, lift the cup. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful artwork, Celine. Thank, thank you. Me. Thank you. So, Celine, real quick, what is the name of the song? Oh, Sunday Sunset. Sunday Sunset, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. 
Yeah, we saw those mermaids up in there too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm into mermaids, man. Listen, oh. uh, there was a movie that came out when I was a kid called Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to, uh, I've always been a mermaid since I heard. Uh, uh, do you have a second I can play a mermaid sound that I made? Well, no, hold hold on for a second. Well, you know what? Go ahead and play that because we're, we're about to sign off, but we're going to let you play that. We got to hear the mermaid sound. We got to hear the mermaid sound. To my inner Halle Bailey. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> All of a sudden, I... <laughs> you tapped into it, Salim. I look, am going to leave that alone. Look, my brother, thank you. Thank you for being here tonight, Salim. Thank you Thanks for the joy. Thank, thank you for blessing us. Um, we are so happy that you were able to. I'm sorry. I enjoyed it. I really did, you know. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. We, we, we're glad that you're here for this Black Music Month series. Ladies and gentlemen, next week, we are closing out our Black Music Month series with Soulful Sensations, an evening with Silver Logan Sharp. She is a Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, jewelry designer. She sang 20 years with the group chic if you're not familiar with them or not okay and she's going to be here next week giving it up with us ladies and gentlemen to close out our black music month series and our words of the week this week everybody won't be happy for your change because your change will remind them that they're not changing hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, ladies Hallelujah. and gentlemen. <laughs> thank you all for, for blessing us tonight, Celine. Thank you once again for being here. Um, and and it's always it's just a pleasure knowing you, my man. And so um great meeting you, Celine. Thank you for everything. Yeah. So, so let, go ahead, Celine. I'm sorry. I, I'm, no, I'm just no, go ahead. You go ahead. What was you I'm gonna just, say? <laughs> go ahead. So, just, <laughs> Give it to us. Every, just think positive thoughts. No negativity, all positive, you know? And just embrace the universe because the universe is us. That's what we do. That's and, us. And Salim has closed it out, ladies and gentlemen. So you all tell a friend. Tell a and, friend. And tune in next week for the new episode of He Said. He Said. He Said. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Be safe, everybody. Thanks, Take everybody. Care. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Salim. Thank you. Bye.